Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. On this week's show, we have three new releases for review with Disney Plus's new live-action Mulan remake, season two of Amazon Prime's Superheroes Gone Bad show, The Boys, and Charlie Kaufman's second adaptation since, well, adaptation, Netflix's I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Alongside these, we'll be discussing the latest film news, listener questions, trailer breakdowns, and listen out for our brand new intro music for our classic film section video store corner where we'll be discussing the john hughes opus that is planes trains and automobiles this is your co-host miles and as ever i am joined by a man some say his name is maximus decimus meridius commander of the armies of the north general of the felix legions loyal servant to the true emperor marcus aurelius father to a murdered son husband to a murdered wife and he will have his vengeance in this life or the next. Are you not entertained? It's Phil. Hello. Right. <laughs> hello. Uh, well, hello. Hello there. Hello, he- hello there. Hello there. Hello there. You right? Yeah. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Oh, yeah. that's good. What have you been watching this week? This week, uh, I have watched... So I finished... Uh, after your after listening to you review season two a few weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. I started the Umbrella Academy Ooh. on Netflix because I'd not watched any of it yet. And do uh, you agree with my review? I do. Well, yeah. Well, I've not watched season two yet, and you were reviewing <laughs> season two. <laughs> so, um, after, after listening to my review for season two, you agree with uh, my review, but still haven't watched it yet. But, but I watched season one. Ah, okay. So I finished season one, and I Good. really enjoyed it so far. So that's been good. Who's your favourite um, character out of the uh, the the fabulous kids or um, grown ups now? It's it's number five, I think. The guy's oh, amazing. Chi- the man child. Yeah, uh, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant in it, isn't he? So good, so good. Um, yeah. So I'll be starting season two ASAP. I loved season two. I actually really enjoyed it. I, I don't know. It's it's a definite break from season one. So if you love that kind of more dark kind of, you know, like Adam's Family chic type approach, the stylistic nature of the show generally is a bit of a departure there. It goes to right. a little bit more um, Edward Scissorhands in Ooh. its kind of Avon lady chic uh, setting, um, but also quite political. And I really enjoyed it. Well, I'm looking forward to giving it a go. Um, what else did I watch? I watched uh, a classic, Beverly Hills Cop 2, oh. which I love. I love that film. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> and then this one I watched because it was just on and I just watched it. But Mean Machine. Starring Finney Jones. Starring Finney Jones <laughs> and Jason Statham and Danny Dyer. Oh, you Danny Dyer. Um, it's an awful film, but I quite enjoy it. It's a remake of The Longest Yard, isn't it? It is. The Burt Reynolds. Good old English football rather than American good old hand egg. Yeah, American hand egg. Yeah. Screw you, um, hand egg. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible, but it's entertaining. Is there Are there any famous footballers in that? Like making Vinnie up Jones? Cast? Other than Vinnie Jones. <laughs> Um, no, I don't think so. Oh. The best thing about it is Jason Statham playing like this. Multiple... Isn't he the goalkeeper? 
He's a crazy goalkeeper. Like That's everyone's right. terrified of him, and he just decides to just run out and just. He's a little bit short for a goalkeeper, isn't he? Jason <laughs> Yeah, but it's just oh my god, he's just a nutcase. That is the best part about it. Is it actually the? It's, it's the it's the the original uh, Chev Chelios backstory. He was actually in prison. He was a prison goalkeeper before his heart nearly exploded in crank. <laughs> yeah, the backstory. Jeff I wish Gilles. it was. I wish they linked like that. That'd be amazing. Very cool. Sounds like a busy um, week. It was, yeah. And then plus the review, you know, our review thing, review viewing. Yeah, I, d- I don't quite know how, but over the last two weeks, I've managed to watch a lot of stuff. Um, right. I finished the All or Nothing Tottenham Hotspur documentary. The last three uh, episodes came out. Uh, last Monday, extremely depressing. Um, you know, it's, it starts off saying we're in the Champions League final. We have a great manager. We want to get into the Champions League places again this season. Maybe do better, win a trophy. Of course, we did none of those things, and we lost nope. the manager. So uh, quite, quite depressing. This season is no better so far. So uh, not looking good. Um, so to escape that, uh, I continued watching Brave New World, uh, the series that I started on the streaming platform Peacock in the States, uh, and also HBO's Lovecraft Country, which uh, I'm still not sure why I'm watching it. Oh, you carried on? Yeah, <laughs> and it is it is quite interesting. There's, there is this kind of um, Indiana Jones-style episode that happens. There's a really interesting episode five, which is really gory. Um, I, I don't know why. I'm just... I, kind of can't take my eyes off it i can't look away from it for some reason <laughs> right um but you know in general it's it's not too bad the the really interesting one i watched is one i've been dodging it's been on my list since 2017 and that was netflix's western miniseries godless did you ever see this no i didn't see that so it's it, it, it's yeah so it's a it's a western starring jack o'connell scoot mcnary uh, michelle dockery and jeff daniels and it's written and directed by Scott Frank, who was the writer of Logan um, and Get Shorty. So some really cool kind of, you know, deep stuff that he'd, he'd written in the past. Yeah. Brilliant story about a period Western town, which is left with only female inhabitants after a uh, a mining accident claims the lives of all, I think it's 87 men that live in the town. So all the husbands and fathers and sons in this town, they're all, they're all dead. Right. Um, and this kind of catches up a few years after a stranger arrives in town hunted by a gang of rebellious outlaws led by the sinister Frank Griffin. Frank Griffin, Peter Griffin, um, <laughs> played by Jeff Daniels, uh, which puts the town and its hardy group of women on a collision course. Really good. Like seven episodes. Um, loved it. The, the score was brilliant. Um, there were some obvious beats in there, some kind of typical cliche Western beats. Um mm. But in in the most part, it's a really really good series and really worth watching. You know, it's not a long commitment; it's just seven episodes. Um, but really enjoyed that. And then finally, on on one one night uh, a few days ago, I had a, a wonderful drunken evening with a bottle of Jack Daniels and uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show on my projector, <laughs> uh, which is a, you know a classic musical movie that you should be legally obligated to be drunk while watching. <laughs> yeah just love that tim curry and that is amazing yeah transvestite from transsexual transylvania more of that please more of that um so uh moving on from that impression let's jump into this week's listener question this comes from seamus in hill valley uh 
guarantee that this isn't someone's real name or location. Uh, but Seamus in Hill Valley has asked, Hi, Miles and Phil. A few weeks back, you had an interview where the guest mentioned the wonderfully named Memphis Reigns, a.k.a. Nicolas Cage's character name in Gone in 60 Seconds. Did you answer any questions on your favorite character names yet? If not, love to hear your answers. Well, Seamus, love this question. Um, Phil, do you want to take it away with uh, with your list? No, oh, I've got some doozies. Why don't we do? Why don't you do one, then I'll do one. Okay. So I've only gone for ones that I think are just a bit stupid, but okay. also a bit cool. Okay. Okay. So John Matrix. <laughs> Arnie in Commando. I lied. I lied. Stick on home. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, who's called Matrix? Mr. Matrix. Where does it come from? That's what I want to know. Like, there's no continent on this planet where Matrix is an actual name, you know? I've never seen a name. I don't know. The only thing I can think, maybe it's like it has some kind of... Uh, French, you know, it might be, uh, he, he may be Jean Matry. <laughs> Jean, Jean Matry. Uh... Oh, Jean Matry. Jean Matry, je suis commando. <laughs> <laughs> um, great name. I think that's probably Arnold Schwarzenegger's best character name, would you say? <laughs> now I've just got all sorts of like French Arnie quotes going through my head. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> come avec moi if you want to live. Bonjourne, baby. <laughs> wow, that's a whole other uh, section, that, isn't it? That really is. Oh, next week's listener quote. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, so, great, on, great your, character. Your, t- your turn there. This is a pretty obvious one, but the more I've thought about it, the more I kind of thought about character names, I've never really thought about this name. But the more I've thought about it as a really great and, and hilarious name, the more I wanted to include it in this list. Mm. Mr. T, Rocky Three, Clubber Lang. <laughs> Clubber Lang. He's Clubber, a boxer. Like he's a boxer and he's going to club you. Do you know what I mean? I want to have, I, I want my character names to be literal. Like I, I want, do you know what I mean? I want it to relate to what they actually do. And I've got a couple more of these later okay. on. But Clubber Lang. Clubber Lang. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that, that he was he was destined to be a boxer with that name. Yeah, I mean, is Clubber not just his nick his boxing name though? No, it's Clubber Lang. That's his name. Is it? Yeah, Clubber the Club Lang. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. Anyway, uh, okay, all right. Um, my next one. Uh, I'm going to give you this, and then I want to see if you can guess who it is and what film it's from. Casey Ryback. Oh my god! Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, and I feel like, I feel like it. I, I feel like someone was under siege when they came up with this name. Hey, <laughs> Steven Seagal in Under Siege. Casey Ryback. Oh, what a name! What a name! It's great. A karate kicking chef that will literally beat the shit out of every single terrorist that takes over the the ship, including yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, without breaking a sweat. Tommy Lee Jones is amazing in that. What's Tommy Lee Jones' name in that? Uh, I can't remember. Find he, it and come back he, to me while I give you my character name. All right, I'll do it. 
Josh Charles played this character in Dead Poet Society. I always wondered where the hell this name came from, and I still don't know. Right. Knox Overstreet. <laughs> Is that like Knox K-N-O-X? Exactly. K-N- wow. Not like Knox on the door. <laughs> not, not his knocks over the street. I've just been knocking over street. <laughs> <laughs> knocks over uh, the street. Uh, yeah. Why? Who? <sighs> a lot of these, you just think, what were they on when they come up with the character name? Right. I don't know. Script? They just saw two words and they put them together. Yeah. It's like, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to. <laughs> oh, okay. I've got Tommy Lee Jones's name in Under Siege. It's not. It's not that. In, well, it's, it's a like Rasputin Hayes or something. No, it's William Stranix, <laughs> which Bill, is also quite good. Bill Stranix. Not oh, as good yeah. as Gary Boosie, who's Commander Krill. Like Krill, like like Krill K- that lives R- in the sea. I-L-L. That's <laughs> so literal. Like like Krill, what whales eat. <laughs> commander Krill. So he's a, he's a commander of a ship in the Navy, right? So yeah. guess what we're going to call him? Think about it. Commander Shrimp, seaweed. Uh, commander, com- commander, pistol shrimp. Commander uh, Barnacle. Com- commander, <laughs> commander Barnacle. <laughs> that sounds like a SpongeBob SquarePants character. Commander Crabs. Come here, Commander Barnacle. <laughs> commander Barnacle, to the helm, please, sir. <laughs> Paging Commander Barnacle. Yeah, Commander Krill. That's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Top I wish points. It was commander Barnacle. Now that would be top points for the ocean vibe. <laughs> Your turn. Um, okay, so next on my list is uh, <laughs> Snake Pliskin. Oh, but that's just a cool one. I think it's that's just cool. Like it's nuts, but it's really cool. It's, it's brilliant. So Kurt Russell from Escape from New York. Uh, it's just a cool name. I He's think maybe iPad. I think maybe that name put a lot of the '80s action movie names on the map. Like, kind of made a lot yeah. of writers up up their up their game. You know, <laughs> it's a kind of yeah, natural maybe. move from Snake Plissken to John Matrix, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, Snake <laughs> sounded like a snake. Brilliant. Mine is I'm going comedy. Bill yeah. Murray, Kingpin, Big Earn McCracken. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And mainly because Bigger and McCracken, I, you feel like he's given himself the name Big Earn McCracken. Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's a, yeah, it, it's the it, kind of thing he'd add in front of it. Just exactly, to make it exactly. sound like more Bill Murray. He's so vain in this, and and he even refers to himself in the third person as Bigger and McCracken. <laughs> like so, you think Peter Venkman's vain, but then <laughs> wait till you see Bigger and McCracken with I his. Know. With his uh, translucent bowling ball with a rose his, inside of it. his awesome comb over. <laughs> the best. When I am when I go bald eventually, and I say that with three older brothers who are all bald, uh, <laughs> I'm definitely going to have the Big Earn McCracken comb over. And I'm oh, gonna I let hope it you just, do. I, mate, I'm going to let it fly off the side of my head just whenever <laughs> I want. And then just paste it down with sweat. Brilliant. <laughs> I look forward to seeing it. Uh, next on my list. Again, this is a crazy name, but uh, it's classic. Axel Foley. Ah, you've you've gone, you've gone for great names. You've gone for established great names. I've gone for names. ones where I'd want that name. I Not all like of them. If, if you <laughs> the, ever have the kids, list gets worse. If you ever have kids, I know exactly the type of name that you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna give them. 
I feel like one of them might be a name from Money Plane. <laughs> oh, God. We're saying that. But we'll get, there. Oh, we've got, yeah. we've get. we'll get there. We'll get there. Axel Foley, brilliant. Axel Foley, Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, I'm staying comedy. I'm staying sports comedy. Mm. I'm going Happy Gilmore. Mm. It's Shooter McGavin. <laughs> Shooter McGavin. <laughs> another <laughs> another vain, uh, self-involved, asshole sports character in a comedy movie that also refers to himself in the third person. Um, obviously, Happy Gilmore has the amazing scene where he is in a rivalry um, with Adam Sandler, who is obviously self-titled Happy Gilmore. And they're fighting over something. I think it's something to do with Abby Gilmore's grandmother. And he says, uh, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast, Gilmore. And uh, Adam Sandler <laughs> turns to him and says, you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? And Shoot McGowan <laughs> just looks at him and goes, no. And then runs off. <laughs> God, I've not seen that for so long, Happy oh. Gilmore. What a movie. That's probably my, that's without a doubt my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. Shooter McGavin. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, staying on the action theme, John Spartan. John Spartan. Oh, the three seashells. <laughs> the three seashells. So What's with the three Stallone. seashells? <laughs> Sylvester Stallone in uh, Demolition Man. Hey, hey, John yo. Spartan, you have been fined four credits. For swearing, isn't it? Is it for, yeah, every time they swear. Oh, fuck. That's brilliant. Uh, John Spartan. I mean, so you got two sounds... Johns on your list? Uh, yeah. I haven't got a single John on my list. Well, there's only two, so... But i tell you what I do have on my list. Yes. A Furious Styles. <laughs> what the hell is that from? <laughs> it's, of course, Lawrence Call Me Larry Fishburne in Boys in the Hood. Or boys in Dahood, as I should say. Oh, really? Furious Styles, and obviously, you know, he has that name. That's his actual name. Yeah. Um, but he is also furious during this movie. <laughs> but he's also a really good character, like a good father, strong father figure. And uh, but I just always remember that name, Furious Styles, and it's Styles <laughs> I mean, with a Y, like Styles. Oh, yeah, you know. of course. Brilliant. Even better. Furious Styles. <laughs> I like it. That's great. Um, who else have I got? Uh, oh, this is an odd one because I I forgot about this until I, I I looked it up. Cole Trickle. Oh yes, <laughs> this is Tom Cruise in Days of Thunder. Tony Scott's Days of Thunder. Yeah, I mean, great great film. I really like yep. that. Uh, but Cole... is it great? Is it a great film? Oh, it is. Well. Yeah, I like it. It's definitely it's so. Definitely, yes, it is. It's definitely. It was definitely one of those movies that was the start of that kind of Michael Bay like kind of chaos and sharp editing and yeah soundtrack. Oh, you know definitely. What I mean? Yeah, I used to have the game on the Amiga five hundred as well. Oh, mate, that game was a pain in the ass because you just used to drive round and round in a circle. <laughs> well, <laughs> Do you remember? That's that's that's, that's that kind of. Speed and your your, your tires would run out, wouldn't they? Your tires yeah. would, like wear out, and you'd have to like stop, and that was <laughs> you'd run out of petrol. Yeah. That was a fucking annoying game. Yeah. Cold Trickle. Cold Trickle. See if you can guess this one. You've seen this film recently. Go on. Stacker Pentecost. Stacker Pentecost. (laughs) What? You've watched this recently. Have I? Yeah. Have we reviewed it? No. 
You watched it. Stacker. I have no idea. We are cancelling the apocalypse. <laughs> oh, oh. Idris Elba in Pacific Rim. Is that his name in that? Stacker, Stacker Pentecost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They don't. Do they ever call him by his name in that? Um, they do. What's the like commander or whatever? Stand commander Barnacle, get to the robot. <laughs> commander Krill, look out for the whale. <laughs> uh, stack it. I mean, that's a good name. Is that? Yeah. Wow. That oh, was that was a piece of genius writing from Guillermo del Toro. People yeah. forget made Pacific Rim. Yeah, he did. The robot versus monster blockbuster. I love that film. Um, all right, I'm going to go. I, I do have one of the most ridiculous ones I think <laughs> that could exist, apart okay. from number one, which I know we both know. Oh, I see you, and I, and I might raise you, but go for it. No, you're not going <laughs> to raise this. So there is a film called Jungle Fever, which stars Wesley Snipes, which I can't say I've seen, but his character name in that film is Flipper. Purify. <laughs> flipper, as in the dolphin, purify. It sounds like a command to Flipper, you know, like, hey, Flipper, purify. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like when he swims up, a, goes around when he, when he goes water. from salt water into, into uh, spring water river, he has to. <laughs> like it's a dolphin that's got like a purification machine in its yeah, blowhole. Blows it out of his blowhole. Yeah, and it's purified. Flipper purify. Um, <laughs> I just love to see Wesley Snipes in this, uh, and what I hope he's doing in the middle of the jungle is communicating with river dolphins, um, and that's why I he's called so, Flipper Purify. Also, sounds like a Brita water filter, or it does. It sounds like a new filtration system. <laughs> flipper Purify. <laughs> um, I see your flipper purify, and I raise you a satanico pandemonium. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Can you do you remember this character name? Do you remember the movie? No, satanico pandemonium. Yep, satanico pandemonium. This is the amazing, the beautiful Salma Hayek in From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. She comes Didn't out. Know she was called that. When she comes out in that at that exact moment in the middle of the film, where it goes from Tarantino esque crime caper to <laughs> balls to the wall vampire slaughter, <laughs> um, just an incredible character name, Satanico Pandemonium. Wow! Which, yeah. by the way, will be the name of my first child. <laughs> Satanico, I like it. Um, okay, well, the next one I've got is much less. Uh, interesting than that but Go on. Cameron Poe oh Conair must you know where that's from Conair Conair put yeah. the bunny back in the box <laughs> Cameron Poe with his lovely mullet you know who that sounds like though don't you <laughs> <laughs> well you've got Cameron Poe this was really weird when Star Wars announced the uh, the latest <laughs> oh, trilogy um, so bizarre, but they obviously announced a character name that has basically the same name but reversed with different starting initials. So you have Cameron Poe in Con Air. In Star Wars, you have Poe Dameron. 
Cameron Poe, Poe Dameron. <laughs> Cameron Poe, Poe Dameron. <laughs> kind of um, sounds like he's like... He's uh, <laughs> kind of weird alter ego. Or maybe his, his, his weird brother. He's like long lost brother that didn't do as well in life. <laughs> My name's Cameron Poe. And I'm Poe Dameron. <laughs> Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. <laughs> Poe. Poe. Please, let's just, please, please leave us. <laughs> oh, dear. It's so weird, that. I wonder I wonder how, I wonder if someone just saw that movie and just completely forgot, you know, and channeled it out and then thought, I've got a great name. Poe Dameron. How did you come up with that? I don't know. I was just watching Con Air last night and fell I mean, asleep Star and had a dream Wars about is it. Just a- a treasure trove of character names in it, but it is. It's actually amazing that, that we haven't got any in this this entire list. No, I nearly put Grand Moff Tarkin in just as a because I, I quite like. I only put Sice Noodles in. <laughs> what about Salacious Crumb? It, uh, was on my next. Was my next list. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have got another one for you. Classic, oh, you? classic from the sixties. <sighs> Pussy galore. Yeah. I thought it was probably going to be that. <laughs> from a movie, someone's name, Pussy Galore, from a movie called Goldfinger. <laughs> um, obviously, Anna Blackman, amazing character entrance. She walks up to Bond. My name's Pussy Galore, to which Bond retorts, I must be dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does. But can I just say, I just want to reference alongside that. Um, this is like a double bill. Austin Powers then taking that and running with it in the first Austin Powers um, uh, into the International Man of Mystery. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> My name's Alada. Alada Vagina. <laughs> Alotta Vagina. Brilliant. Um, brilliant. Um, that's the end of my list. I got, I got a couple more. I'm just, I don't want to be uh, greedy here. Um, but one name that I just I cannot get out of my my head, and I don't know why. It might might be because I'm turning into the museum curator, Doctor Janos Pohar. But that name is Vigo the Carpathian. Just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is just a brilliant name from Ghostbusters too. Yeah, Scourge of Carpathia. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, finally, a Sylvester Stallone name from my list. Uh, sliced alone in the 1996 tunnel terror movie Daylight. Do you remember what his name was? Uh, I think I do, but I want you to tell me. His name was Kit Latura. <laughs> <laughs> like, have you ever yeah. met anyone with the name Latura? Kit Latura. Uh, never Latura. I actually do know someone who called himself Kit, but. I call them self kit. Yeah, it's there not you go. His natural name. I mean, the cool thing about this is that they love his name so much in the script that he even has it emblazoned uh, on his shirt through the entire movie. <laughs> Just in case you forget, his name's Kit Latura. Okay, and he's trapped in a tunnel underground. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of of great names, I wanted to take this uh, apt moment to shout out to two of our real world friends, Gavin and Jenny who welcomed their third child last week, the wonderfully named Cassian Hancock. Um, Welcome to the world, little dude. May the force be with you. And congrats, guys. Congrats, definite. We love you. 
So, moving on to news this week. Um, whoa, whoa, wait a minute there. Mark. Oh! You've not mentioned the number one ultimate character name. Is it Miles Patterson? <laughs> From the recent review we did, <gasps> Money Plane, uh, Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> and we mentioned this. We talked oh, about yeah, this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, the best, I think... And I think you're in agreement. I best... honestly, I think you're speaking of you know our friends naming their child with awesome names. I guarantee you, when you have a child, you're going to name it this entire name, including the nickname. I might do that, girl or boy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so Kelsey Grammer's character name in the awful film that is Money Plane, which came out quite recently, is <laughs> Darius Emmanuel Grouch the Third. AKA the Rumble. <laughs> and, then, and I know we've mentioned this before, but that has to top the list of ridiculous character names. I think Is I think that... also because of how he introduces himself. He introduces himself to Adam Copeland, AKA uh, the wrestling world's edge, the leading star of this movie, apparently. Yes. In in that way. My name. Yeah. My name is Darius Emmanuel Grouch the Third, AKA the Rumble. It's the only time I've heard a character name in a film and it's made me like laugh out loud. I've never had you text me because of a, a new character name in a new movie. No. That's for sure. You text me at that exact moment. I did. Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> so yeah, well, that, that's number one. That's definite. No, so no when you argument. have kids, Darius Emmanuel Grouch the Third, aka The Rumble, please. I'll be like, Darius Emmanuel Grouch the Third, aka The Rumble, you get back here right now. <laughs> Stop rumbling. <laughs> uh, Stop rumbling. Uh, can I move on to the news? You can. You're allowed now. Let's do it. So in this week's news section, um, I'll start off. Anthony Daniels, speaking of Star Wars. Mm. That's my circuits. He returns as C-3PO in Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, a new Star Wars virtual reality quest. Oh. Um, this is debuting later this year uh, on all great virtual reality places to watch that or be in that it sees r2d2 and c3po travel to the mysterious planet of batu on an epic adventure and you play a droid repair person uh helping them along in their quest having played um the vader star wars vader immortal series from ilm lab uh on the uh oculus quest this year, uh, I can vouch that that is a triple A title. It's absolutely amazing. You're in a Star Wars movie or show, um, so I'm really looking forward to this. It should be a lot of fun. I wonder if you get to hit C3PO because he's so annoying. Come back, R2. <laughs> and uh, also on the Disney side, speaking of Disney, uh, Marvel's MCU-centered Black Widow movie, starring Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh, is sadly being pushed back again. And this is off the back of Tenet's low box office takings in the US. It appears to be moving to the February 2021 release slot of Marvel's other big MCU property, The Eternals, which is now going to be delayed as well, um, which is frustrating because the Black Widow movie, in terms of, um, of its sequential order, actually fits right back before Infinity War and Endgame. So it, it, it's kind of strange that they're moving it in that way. You know, they. I guess you know Disney have trialed a release with Mulan uh, at uh, Watch Watch on Demand, which of course they had on Disney Plus, mm. and didn't release in in theaters, which 
has obviously led to a lot of issues with the theatre companies at Disney. Um, but kind of sad to see this moving, moving because I was looking forward to this one. Um, mm. And especially with a lot of the recent news that Florence Pugh is, is due to pick up uh, the kind of Black Widow mantle, so to speak, following this, this movie. So, um, yes, less of that, please. Well, I've got some other Marvel news mm. uh, that was announced yesterday, I think. Um, so, and that is that Tatiana Maslany, who you may have seen recently in HBO's Perry Mason um, reboot, and also um, she was in a BBC sci-fi series called Orphan Black. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has been signed up to play She-Hulk. Uh, in a new series on Disney Plus, she is. She's going to be awesome in that. She's going to be awesome in that. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen her in uh, Perry Mason, and I thought she was really good. So, but I think, yeah, I think she could be great. Um, so, yes, the, the thing- series not not a movie. Yeah, and obviously that's following in the steps of um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and uh, Wonder Vision, yeah. which are both coming out on on Disney Plus at some point. Um, it, it, I think She-Hulk's an interesting one because she's she doesn't take on the kind of full CGI properties of the Hulk. She's not that kind of beast-like kind of transformation character. She's she's more of a kind of must just a muscular version of a of a woman generally in in most of the the kind of graphic novels and the comics. So slightly greener as well. Than slightly greener, yeah, um, that's true. Um, but yeah, Tatiana Maslany, love her as well. She's great. Met her in New York once. I think I mentioned on the on the podcast, and uh, she is good people. <laughs> Uh, and then the other little bit of news I got is that Batman, uh, the Batman, has resumed filming in the mm-hmm. UK after Robert Pattinson was diagnosed with COVID nineteen. Hey, uh, well he's got over that, and they are back to filming, which is good news. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess that's up in Glasgow, isn't it? Where they were filming when he? I think so. Yeah. Just got sick. Yeah. Good. Congrats, our Pats. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so, looking at trailers, there were some. There were two major trailers from my side. I had a couple to talk about. Um, one of which we will talk about after after yours. I don't know if you wanted to start on your trailers. Uh, yeah, so I just got one that I saw, which looked pretty entertaining. So this is for um, Love and Monsters. Have okay. you seen this? No. It's coming out on the sixteenth of October. Uh, Stars Dylan O'Brien, who was in the uh, Teen Wolf TV series and the Maze Runner as well. Yep. Uh, it's got Jessica Henwick from she was a character in Game of Thrones, and Michael Rooker from The Walking Dead. Love Michael Rooker. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, he's great. So, and this looks like a pretty entertaining film. It's yeah. uh, after a monster apocalypse. <laughs> forces humans into underground colonies a young man decides against all logic to brave the surface and face the monsters standing between him and his lost love uh so yeah he's basically in the trailer he just decides no i've had enough of this i'm gonna go try and find her and uh has to go on like an 80 mile journey outside uh you know in an apocalyptic world with all these massive monsters about that will kill you in all sorts of violent ways Hmm. but it looks like really good fun uh, quite a good spin on the apocalyptic genre. I am cancelling the monster apocalypse. <laughs> I like Dylan O'Brien. I think he's he's got a real charisma to him, and he's a good uh, good actor as well. Um, yeah, 
you know, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff. Obviously, he got remember the last the last thing he was in. I vaguely remember him being in. I think he was in Amer- an American Assassin, but the last uh, Maze Runner movie he where he actually got run over on set. Um, oh right, yeah, and had quite severe injuries. I understand. So glad. Yeah, glad that he's back and back in movies doing stuff. This yeah. sounds interesting. It looks comic. It's it's not completely serious, obviously. Right. There as well. It looks yeah. like it's got a com- comedic spin. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's out. Sixteenth of October. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I picked up on the major one. I think for me, this is probably my most. I'm, I'm most excited about this. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. This trailer alone, uh, and that's Dune. Mm. Um, directed by Denis Villeneuve, who is slowly becoming my favorite director, uh, one, yeah. certainly one of them already. After obviously the the Blade Runner sequel, um, yeah. Prisoners, uh, and and so on, you know. And I think he's he really is an author. I think of our time, he seems to be someone that kind of you can watch his movies and you can kind of pick up on the fact that it's his movie. He's directed it. Yeah, um, he has that real kind of vibrancy in the palette when he when he you know when it comes to cinematography and he can work with you know the likes of Roger Deakins and other cinematographers and ultimately his stuff always has that sim- similarity. Sicario is another incredible movie of his. Um, the cast on this: Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, obviously stars uh, Timothy Chalamet as Paul Atreides, uh, Jason Momoa, Dave Bautista, uh, Josh Brolin, Poe Dameron himself, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Uh, Javier Bardem, Stellan Skarsgård, Charlotte Rampling. I mean, yeah, it's just a cast, an, isn't it? it oh, it's an embarrassment of, of riches when it comes to this cast. So looks great. Um, Timothy Chalamet, for me, he's always a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit too nuanced in some of his performances. I think he's going to be a great actor. You know, I think he's a, a Leo DiCaprio in the making. Yeah. Um, I do think he's a great actor and I think he's he's going to be good in this, but Sometimes you're kind of aware that you're watching Timothy Chalamet, but I, I hope this is going to be uh, this is going to live up to to all the other movies that are out there. I did hear that they were going to split this into two, and I'm not sure if that's still still the case or not. Um, but I understand it might be a fairly lengthy sci-fi epic, and I also know that they were looking at creating a TV series around this as well. All right, which yeah, which may have changed. Um, but I don't know. I was really excited by this. I think the trailer looked awesome, and of course, yeah, giant sandworms. <laughs> it did look great. The trailer, very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and then if, I think you know, probably the big one, the biggest surprise for me, um, that came out this week. I mean, can we talk about the Mandalorian season two trailer? <laughs> yes, we can. Wow. Yeah. Just you know, starting with that guttural. Yeah, um, just looks absolutely amazing to me. Uh, I, I I liked season one. It felt a little bit budget in some places. I didn't like some of the changes in in uh, kind of style and cinematography. There was a lot of kind of handheld camera elements and things like that that I didn't love. That that changed. Like a lot of different directors, wasn't there per episode? Yeah. I think. Exactly, um, but I, I did, I did grow to like it, and I, I really loved the last episode in particular. Yeah, um, and some great characters. But you know, I, it, it took me a little while. But I have to say, I was really surprised by my emotional reaction to this trailer, which was just, this looks awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That's out on thirtieth um, of October, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Starting to come out on Disney Plus. We see um, uh, there's a sand person in there on a banther. Yep. 
there's Gamorian guards having a boxing match in the ring. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. looks really cool. It, yeah. It's just nice when they link together characters that you're familiar with from... Are they boxing or are they hitting each other with axes and stuff? I think it was more like hand fighting. I think okay. more like <laughs> Gamorian MMA. <laughs> that looks uh, awesome. Yeah, that looked really good. And good then, old uh yeah and it's just loads it's loads of really cool stuff seeing the scout troopers on the speeder bikes again which were obviously quite heavily featured in the first series but i love that um yeah i'm just i'm really looking forward to it this is the way this is the way um also the empire alarm sound uh which will never get old yeah Stormtroopers, scout troopers on bikes, Mando in a jetpack, jet, uh, X-Wings flying through the clouds, dude. Um, it's been <laughs> a long time since like I a... got excited about Star Wars. A long yeah. time. Looks fucking awesome. It does look really good. Fun yeah. fact, in the comments section on YouTube on this uh, on this trailer, mm. some random account called Sci-Fi Facts commented something incredible. <laughs> he or she says, random random fact, France was still executing people by guillotine when the first Star Wars movie came out. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Which is absolutely true. That was just the comment. I was like, yes, love that. Love the thought of that. Not so much the (laughs) guillotine, but the fact that that was actually a thing. (laughs) All right. On a similar random facts thing, and it's only because this has popped into my head because you said random facts. Paul Rudd, yeah. Yes. Is the same age now as do you remember in you know, remember Cocoon? And you had the guy with the really b- bushy moustache. I can't yes. remember his real name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh with the hat and the glasses. Mm-hmm. Paul Rudd and him are the same age. Shut <laughs> like, the front door. Yeah, so Paul Rudd is the same what? age as that guy was in Cocoon. How old is Paul Rudd? Fifty. That guy was 50 in Cocoon. Yeah, he looked about 70. Wasn't he? wasn't he living in an old people's home in Florida? <laughs> why, was he, why was a 50-year-old living in an old people's home in Florida? I don't know. Well, I, mean, I think he was meant to be older, wasn't he? But he died recently, I think. He did, I think, yeah. Last couple but, of weeks. Uh, there's a random fact for you. That is a random fact. I'm never going to look the same at Paul Rudd again. He should be in a retirement home in Florida. <laughs> he should be on a boat with Steve Gutenberg trying to save X. Swimming around in a swimming pool with big eggs in it. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Mandalorian. <laughs> there we go. This is the way. This is the way. So let's move to the review section. Uh, This week, obviously, we have three reviews. I'll start things off with season two of Amazon's The Boys. Um, So I'm not going to spoil season one if you haven't seen it yet, but I will mention minor plot details of season two. Feel free to skip ahead slightly if you don't want me to do that. Um, But as I said, I won't spoil the general arc of any of these characters. This is exec produced by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen and based on the R-rated, as R-rated can be, graphic novels of the same name by Garth Ennis. It follows a group of empathetic, starved, and vain superheroes supposedly working tirelessly as Earth saviors, known as the Seven, who work for shadowy big pharma corporation Vought, and a group of rebellious humans trying to bring them down, led by Carl Urban's Dick Van Dyke-voiced hardman Billy Butcher, a.k.a. The Boys. Whereas season one was a whistle-stop, big-budget, high-violence and cartoonishly dark-humoured romp with set pieces aplenty, 
Season two heads for more developmental grounds as a slow start helps to break in a new dawn for this show. This season fixing its sights on the horizon of character development and depth. Last season was sociopaths against sociopaths and everyone was left with a rather cold and uncomfortable feeling in the stomach, especially this reviewer. We're starting to peel back the cape to see what really makes our heroes, quote unquote, tick. A sometimes unpleasant but mostly welcome change of pace for a show that left me feeling a little dirty and uncomfortable last time. Don't get me wrong, I still feel uncomfortable with the dark humor on display here, uh, following on from sub-Aquaman parody, The Deep's sex addiction and sexual harassment uh, scene in season one, culminating in an aquarium breakout scene of a dolphin he's been having porpoise coitus with. Um, (laughs) Porpoise coitus. Yes, porpoise coitus. A great character name, by the way. Um, one scene in particular in season two of uh, of The Boys, we're supposed to be rooting for the gang uh, as they drive their speedboat on purpose into a beached whale for laughs. But for me, I didn't see much to laugh about. I know it's CGI and practical effects, but I just don't like to see animal cruelty played out for laughs, even if it's, you know, special effects. It doesn't really mm. work for me. Um, besides an unpleasant whale steak taste in the mouth, this season is actually pretty good. And the level of character development is setting this up for a longer run than season one first appeared, rightly focusing on the standouts from season one. That's Jack Quaid. Yes. The son of Dennis Quaid, uh, as Huey seen here with varying amounts of PTSD and psychological breakdowns and Anthony stars Homelander. A Superman meets Captain America, make America great again, leader of the seven, an all-around abominable (laughs) There's that word again. You can't go longer than two minutes without the word being dropped. Usually by Carl Urban, whose mockney English accent has improved slightly from season one, but not much. My favorite dialogue here being a moment when he turns to Huey in a moment of anxiety and exclaims, Your sense is tingling, is it? Spider-Man, more like spider All in, this show has something to say, and I feel like it's going after the right-wing politics currently under such scrutiny in the US during the presidential reign of he who shall not be named. Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, and overseas terrorism are all discussed and turned into spin uh, for the seven to be closely parodied uh, with their PR and aligned so that these alleged heroes can use it as their own agenda even if the liberal agenda is the farthest thought from the selfish and vain thought process. It doesn't quite reach the heights of last year's Watchmen on HBO, a show also about superheroes, but with so much more to say and with a level of writing genius I haven't seen on the small screen in a long, long time. If The Boys is aiming for this level of political satire and to challenge its viewers, it's got a lot more ground to cover, especially when it's been populated with a kind of dark comedy, which makes this a difficult watch for some. I was fairly down on season one. With season two's character development, I may just be along for the ride, albeit with my <laughs> sense tingling. Recommended. I'm going to have to get the Velociraptor out for that, aren't I? Yes, you are. The new movie mouth uh, official C word blocking device. <laughs> blocking device. <laughs> Bing! <laughs> So Disney have released their long-awaited Mulan live-action remake following in the footsteps of Lion King, Lady and the Tramp, Cinderella, and Aladdin. Much controversy about this one. Phil, uh, you sat down to watch it. Give us your thoughts. I did. So, yeah, this is, as you said, the new live-action remake. Um, It's directed by Nikki Caro. And it was originally 
slated to come out at the end of March, I think. Uh, but then Disney re- uh, delayed it due to the pandemic, obviously, especially with a film that big. They had a premiere as well, um, but that was just before the shit hit the fan. Um, so they delayed it until July and then to August, and then they just decided, you know what, we'll just put it on Disney+. Plus. So it's what they've done, but that's attracted a bit of criticism because you've got to pay $30 for that if you want to watch it. And that's on top of if you, it doesn't matter if you already have a Disney Plus subscription or not. So I think I don't know. I think that's put a lot of people off or made quite a few people angry. I think it's made the cinemas pretty angry because they're missing out on what they were guaranteeing as potential. Well, that, that revenue. too, obviously, as well, because yeah. you know it's a big it's a big release when Disney released like a big blockbuster like this. It's um, yeah, it's, and that uh, money has can... gone straight in Disney's pocket, basically. Yeah, yeah, um, but so. It's based on the ancient Chinese legend of Hua Mulan. Um, and when the emperor of China orders that one man per family must serve in the imperial army uh, to defend the country against northern invaders, Hua Mulan, the eldest daughter of an honoured warrior, steps in to take the place of her ailing father. Um, and she has to disguise herself as a man. Uh, and then she's tested basically every step of the way, uh, trying to sort of bring honor to her family and um yeah so i'll start by saying that uh i haven't seen the original animation um the 1998 disney classic i've not seen it so i think that gives it a nice spin though because yeah you're watching this afresh i think that so too i mean yeah. obviously in the process of reviewing it i've got some comparisons that i'll have to make against the the original um just for the people that might wonder but i probably won't do it with the same fondness that a lot of people will have for it because the uh, you know i've heard a lot of frustration with this film but mainly from people comparing it against the animation and things they would have liked to have seen so i'm not really gonna go into that too much i guess um so although as i said it's it's a live action version of the 1998 animation uh, there's quite a few changes. So for a start, it's it's not a musical. There's no on-screen singing in it at all. Um, Mulan's been given a, a sister, whereas in the animation, she was an only child. Um, uh, I guess one of the big ones is that she doesn't have a, a talking spirit dragon that goes around with her, who was originally voiced by Eddie Murphy in the cartoon or animation. Uh, and we don't have that at all. It's been sort of replaced, I guess, by a, uh, a a phoenix, which seems to just sort of, it's like a spirit animal, but it, it sort of just appears when she feels a bit lost and <laughs> says, it doesn't say anything, but it sort of just flies in the direction she needs to go, and that's it. Um, uh, and I think a couple of the, the villains have changed as well compared to the original. So that's the changes that I've, sort of the main changes that I've seen. Um, performance wise, I think really strong performances all round. Uh, Ife Liu, um, who plays Mulan, she does a fantastic job. Um, apparently they auditioned a lot of people for this. It took a long time to decide, but I, I think, you know, they chose really well. Um, she, you know, shows really strong personality in it. Um, a lot of emotion and, you know, across a quest that sort of, 
I'm sure would have taken a lot of emotion <laughs> and energy. Um, I think other notable mentions go to the villains who are um, uh, Jason Scott Lee plays Bori Khan uh, and uh, Gong Lee plays the uh, a shape-shifting witch, uh, which is a sort of new addition for the film. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't. I think again, performances were were strong all round. Um, Jet Li's in it as well as the Emperor. It took me a minute to recognise him as well because he looks quite different. Different. <laughs> um, but yeah, really, really strong cast all round. I think. Um, there's a good mix of comic relief against the more serious aspects of the story um which i think you know you're going to need that in a in in a disney film where it is a family film um there's some really good uh large scale battle scenes uh really good choreography quite a bit of slow motion in those which i quite like it doesn't seem overdone makes them feel a bit more dramatic and obviously slow motion always makes things look cooler doesn't it as well um and it's interesting though because although it's it's not full gore at all, this it, there's no blood in it or anything like that, but it's actually quite violent. Um, a lot of arrows to the chest and swords to the gut and spears to the head, etc. So that's and I'm, obviously that'll be what has given it its PG thirteen rating. So yeah, I, was, I guess for more of a family film, yeah, it's quite violent. I guess so it might put some people off. Um, I think the strongest thing about it is that it just looks absolutely stunning. It's really colourful, vibrant, and really striking to look at. Um, some of the locations and sets, uh, whether they're CGI or not, some of them aren't, some of them are, they all look really good, to be honest. There's not much um, sort of uh, to be said against them. Um, it just looks great. Um, speaking to the CG, I think for most parts, it looks really good, but, um, I think the only slight letdown it had was that early on, some of the character movements look really weird. There's like a scene where she's sort of at the, right at the beginning where she's jumping along a rooftop and sort of does these flips and stuff. And it just looks a bit odd and jerky. So that, uh, yeah, that, that sort of stuck out to me straight away, which was a bit, bit off-putting. Um, but I think the main criticism I've heard for it is that there's not as much um, progression shown for Mulan as a character during her journey and what she goes through in the film. She basically starts the film with uh, powers or chi um, that she's been told to hide from others. Um, uh, and she basically has like an unnatural ability to be able to jump and flip and fight really well and use of weapons and everything from a, a from a really really young age uh i believe in the animated version see so she has a much sort of tougher time of things she's um you know she has to make a lot more sacrifices um cutting off her hair etc when she joins the the army and she has to learn all of the sort of warcraft and how to be a good soldier um but as I said, in this, it just sort of seems like she could just kick your ass from the beginning and she just doesn't have to hide her chi anymore when she wants to do that. So it's a bit, I think that's a little bit off-putting as well. Um, 
in summary though i think it's it's entertaining it's a really entertaining watch it's a real treat for the eye um as i said it looked great uh and if you're comparing it against the original then maybe you're going to be a little bit disappointed but i think to see a blockbuster of this type uh coming out at the moment with the current situation it's a welcome treat um even if it does make the cinemas really angry <laughs> but yeah so i recommend it i enjoyed it and it's available now on disney plus Cool. Nice one, Phil. It sounds like a good movie. I want to check that one out. I've been meaning to get around to it. So now I have a good reason to watch Mulan uh, on Disney+. Plus. Thank you very much. Um, so moving about as far away from Disney princesses as you can get, Charlie Kaufman, the writer behind Being John Malkovich, Adaptation, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Synecdoche, New York, returns here, writing and directing his adaptation of Ian Reed's book, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, on Netflix. This follows Jesse Buckley as Young Woman and Jesse Plemons as Jake as they drive to his parents' secluded farmhouse, played by the deranged Tony Collette and David Hewlis, for a first encounter during a snowstorm. The young woman questioning everything she knows about her boyfriend and their relationship. In short, she's thinking of ending things. Having read the book, I can tell you this is more of a reinvention or reinterpretation than first appeared, with some minor plot details that provide the keys to unlocking the plot to be fully understood. It's a head-scratcher, it's too tough to be palatable, pretentious, and vis uh, viscerally jarring, I would say, and yet I absolutely bloody loved it. I've literally thought about little else since I saw it. However... I know many, many people whose film opinions I respect that absolutely hated this with all of their souls. Um, I just wanted to shout out quickly to Jessie Buckley's performance here. She's been great in many period dramas over the last few years with Tom Hardy's Taboo, HBO's Chernobyl, and the amazing BBC drama War and Peace, which is a show I watched at a particularly vulnerable moment in time, and I highly recommend you watch it if you are so inclined. To give more of the plot away than I already have would be a shame, and many people who watch it following this review may think I am completely insane for enjoying this so much. To which I have to say, that's as maybe, but isn't it nice to be intellectually challenged by one of those weekly Netflix-produced movies instead of the average two-star action romp or young adult-centered rom-com? Remember when we would rent a video straight off the shelf with only cover art and the back cover blurb? Remember when being challenged uh, by ingenuity, tone, and clever writing was actually an achievement without the need for cynicism or negative gusto? Not everything should be a popping eye candy sit down with the missus to watch a lovely yarn over dinner. Sometimes you've got to push your boundaries to admire new forms and adopt new tastes. And for that, I salute Netflix and Kaufman for bringing me something different at a time where most want to tune out, I'm looking to tune in. For that reason, I'm thinking of anything gets a big recommendation from me. I shall await your hate mail and the calls for my head. I just hope they're well written. Coming up next, we've got a new jingle.
So, Phil, do you want to tell us all about that absolutely rocking retro jingle that we've got for Video Store Corner now? <laughs> well, I, a friend of ours, a mutual friend, told us that we needed jingles. So I was like, right, challenge accepted. And I made that one. <laughs> uh, I bought a keyboard and everything. Just for that? Just for that. <laughs> you probably could have paid someone 50 quid and they would have. <laughs> it's less fun though, isn't it? Let us know what you think. If you like our new jingle for Video Store Corner, let us know. We can always get Phil to re-record it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love it. I love it. It's so retro. Um, this week, we have the coming home for Thanksgiving road trip comedy, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, directed by the mighty John Hughes and starring Steve Martin and the late, great John Candy as they attempt to reach home in Chicago just in time for turkey and sweet potato pie. Phil, <laughs> care to summarize the plot in a bit more detail? Yeah, so this, so Steve Martin plays uh, a marketing executive called Neil Page, and he, yeah, he's trying to get home from uh, New York for, to his family for Thanksgiving in Chicago, as you said. Uh, and through a comedy of errors whilst trying to get back, he bumps into Del Griffith, played by John Candy. And Let's face it, it's an basically absolute it's a story shit about bag. <laughs> yeah, but like the kindest hearted shitbag ever. Yes, he does steal his taxi. Dog. He means no harm to anyone. He's just really annoying. Uh, but he doesn't mean to be. I think he's also a little bit selfish, perhaps, but... Still, we'll get to that. But yeah, basically, so they go on like a three-day adventure or misadventure of different modes of transport, hence the title, uh, trying to get back to their family. And um, it's just a very unlikely but hilarious pairing, uh, just a road road movie. Uh, and it's I, I'd say it's the king of the road movies, if I'm honest. It's, it is one of the best. It's one of the greatest of all time, isn't it? Yeah, easily. Easily. Um, and I mean, how many times have you been, you know, on a, you know, had some kind of issue with getting home from somewhere and, you know, you say, but well, it was all a bit planes, trains and automobiles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, really I grew fun. up with this film. I used to watch this when I was much younger. Um, I think it's one of my dad's favorites as well. He loves this film. It's just, uh, it's just one of those ones I've grown up with and always loved as a classic comedy, and much to my horror, when I was watching it again for, um, for this, um, I had discovered my wife had not seen it, so that was remedied immediately, and she loved it as well. Mm. It's crazy. It seems like a lot of people that I know and respect haven't seen this film. Which is weird to me because, like you, I grew up on it, and uh, yeah, especially in the early kind of two thousands, I remember buying it again on DVD and watching it just over and over and over again. Just a brilliant John Hughes movie, I would say. Yeah, um, and so well written. Apparently, he thrashed the script out in a matter of like two or three days for this. Yeah, I read that. It's crazy. Um, apparently, he went through something similar while trying to get home. He his flight out of JFK was delayed. Um, and he ended up flying down to where did he end up flying? Was it where did they end up flying down to in the movie? Kansas City um, to uh, Kansas, yeah, Kansas is first, yeah, yeah. So um, 
and uh yeah and apparently this that kind of inspired this whole story i don't think he actually met someone like a kind of uh del griffin but um but yeah an interesting del griffith sorry an interesting character nonetheless um who would you say is your favorite character here because i mean obviously they're they're both having fun steve martin and john candy have both actually admitted that this is the favorite movie that they've they've ever made starred in um but who would you say is your who would you say is the runaway leader of the two or your favorite of the two i like i do i like them both but i think as a likable character del griffith is just great he's just he's so annoying but as i said before his heart is in the right place he means no harm but he's really really annoying but played absolutely <laughs> expertly by the brilliant John Candy. Um yeah. I'm going for Del Griffith. What about you? I would also go for John Candy's Del Griffith. Uh he is a shower shower curtain uh ring salesman <laughs> who hasn't been <laughs> home in years. Uh somehow he manages to have a boorish clumsiness and and kind of ignorance twinned with depth and heart and you never actually hate him even though neil is so vehemently aggravated by every movement or throat clearing that this physical performance kind of (laughs) sets forth um i think i think it's a trait that is deeply missed from many of the annoying kind of schlub on a road trip characters that we've seen over the years over the last few decades like uh you know, pay attention, I would say, Zach Galifianakis. You know, it's that kind of character that in most cases just tend to be annoying, whereas in this case with John Candy, you still like him. You don't hate him. Yeah. You're not irritated necessarily by him, which is pretty clever. And that's that was, I think, the depth of John Candy and how he could how he could do those roles like um, Gus Polinsky in uh, uh, and Home Alone and Uncle Buck, of course, in, a, in another yeah. John Hughes role. Um, flawed yet you know lovable uncle type character yeah just brilliant um and obviously you know also a shout out to steve martin who is also brilliant in this film i think he's one of his best performances i'd say none. so it's probably one of my it's probably my favorite steve martin film i should think yeah because again you, me too i'd say because again you, you actually empathize with steve martin even though you know he's a bit of an uptight dick um, <laughs> yeah but I just think they're a brilliant blend together. It just works really, really well. Um, what would you say is, is the best scene, your favorite scene of this? I find it really hard to pin it down to one because there's a lot in there that are amazing. I think um, I think the early one that I love is when they realize that they've got a share. They check into the motel when they, their flight's canceled. <laughs> And they realize that they have to, sh- they go into the room and they realize that they have to share the bed. And they're basically complete strangers at that point. They've literally only met like at the airport and been on a plane together. And <laughs> it's what is the way the camera keeps cutting back to the made bed and making that like audible, like shock noise. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the, the horror within them. And they just, you can see him just sort of sideways glancing at it, thinking, oh God, how are we, <laughs> we going to get around here? It's that music. Is that like music? It's like, as they yeah, the double the, bed. It cuts to the bed. It's like, bing. Yeah. <laughs> bing. <laughs> 
you're just waiting for that bolt, bolt. <laughs> you know, you're yeah, yeah. But then obviously that. that's followed by uh, the awesome scene where they like wake up and uh, <laughs> John Candy's kissing Steve Martin's ear, and uh, Steve Martin's holding his hand. And um, he kisses his ear, and he's like, "Dell, why did you just kiss my ear?" <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Why are you holding my hand? <laughs> <laughs> Where's your other hand?" And he's like, "Between two pillows." Those aren't pillows. <laughs> <laughs> and then they jump out the bed, and then yeah. they... how about those bears? How about those? Yeah, they're going all the way this season. They're, they're going, going all the way season. This <laughs> <laughs> like. Trying to feel manly again. It was hilarious. It's got to be for me. Um, it's got to be the the just the oh, Steve Martin at his most aggravated when uh, it, we see we see Neil finally taking the bus to his rental car outside of the airport in like the freezing kind of conditions, and he gets to the spot where the car's supposed to be, and it and it's not there. Like out of all the cars, it's the only one that's missing. <laughs> yeah. You just see him like scream, and then. He's running across a runway. You see him fall down snow-covered embankments. You see his hat get run over by like this kind of road-sweeping machine. <laughs> and then he gets all the way to the airport, like freezing. He's got his tie wrapped around his ears to keep his ears, like earmuffs, basically, to find a, a, cheer, a, a kind of cheery, plump, Midwestern apple pie woman at the, the car rental counter and just lets rip on her. And this actually moves into my next my next point, which is best line, but I'll start it off with this. So he walks up to the car rental agent who's cheerfully on the phone, like, you know, to someone kind of having having fun. And uh, she kind of looks at him cheerfully and says, welcome to Marathon, may I help you? And he's like, yes. And she's like, how may I help you? You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. And you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four wheels and a seat. Do you have your rental agreement, sir? I threw it away. Well, then, you're fucked. <laughs> so <laughs> like that for me, that I've been through that experience so many times. So many times. <laughs> um, that's those are my that's my favorite line. That just that. Well, then you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of my favorite scenes and lines. <laughs> but I think there's a few for me. There's um, <laughs> there's when he gets to the cab uh, when they're in St. Louis. So isn't it when they actually when he comes out of the rental car thing? And he says, uh, he says to like the cab dispatcher guy. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, I want to go to Chicago. And he's like, you know, you're in St. Louis. And Steve Martin's like, yes, I do. And he said, why don't you try the airlines? It's faster and you get a free meal. And he was like, if I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the john and watch you take a leak. <laughs> now, are you going to help me or are you going to stand there like a slab of meat with mittens? <laughs> And then he just smashes him in the face. Yeah, I love that. I love the part when he picks him up by his testicles. To be honest, he picks him up by the balls, and then the whole scene after where they're in the car, he's got a really high voice for the next couple of minutes. Wow, well, talking to me like that. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. No, um, that's a great scene. And then I think the uh, other one I like is when the they're in the car after it's had its uh, fire, 
because their car catches fire. Yeah, uh, and they, it's still drivable somehow. But the state trooper, like that, the uh, the police pull him over, and Michael McKean, um, Michael McKean, yeah. yeah, from Spinal Tap and yeah. Clue and lots and lots of other things. No, we're not playing um, fucking Stonehenge. <laughs> and he says, "What the hell are you driving here?" And then, in pure John Candy fashion, he says, "We had a small fire last night, but we caught it in the nick of time." They're literally sitting in like this burnt-out husk of a car. It's like a skeletal, a burnt skeletal husk of a car. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. And he's like, "Do you have any idea how fast you were going?" And he's like, "Funny enough, I was just talking to my friend about that. Our speedometer has melted, and as a result, it's very hard to see any with any degree of accuracy exactly how fast we were going." That's brilliant. I like that scene as well because you know John Candy and Michael McKean are two of the great um, improvisers of the time. Yeah. So you know that they were probably having a lot of fun. Yeah. On that, I also love when like he kind of says, "Oh, you know, the, the reason we're late is because uh, you know I'm trying to get this guy home to his family for Thanksgiving." And Michael McKean just like looks, bends down, looks into the car with like his kind of fly catching mouth like flapping wide in the breeze just like trying to listen to what he's got to say you know that true sir you know just brilliant and the next scene you see the car just getting towed away i love i love how when that fire starts as well that that's the that's the first moment where where neil um steve martin's character actually starts to accept the turmoil the, the the bad luck that he run that he's on and yeah. kind of turns around, looks at it, looks back. John Candy turns around, looks at it, looks back. And then they both just kind of like stand up and are just kind of staring at it kind of blankly without, you know, <laughs> any emotion. Uh, I really, I love that. Just I love that yeah, just also, also, also the moment where they go the wrong way on the, uh, the freeway and they get sandwiched between the two trucks. Visual gag. You see both of them as <laughs> the mean... skeletons screaming. Um, as the sparks are flying. <laughs> and then for no apparent reason, John Candy is dressed in a skin-tight lycra devil's, devil's outfit with a, with a fork. The devil. <laughs> Maniacally laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and that is that is like my... If, if you say to me, planes, trains, and automobiles, immediately that's the scene that comes to me my too. head. Like, that's the thing I found the funniest when I was, when I was little. Me too. Um because that whole bit, the build-up to that is brilliant where they're driving down the wrong way and you've got the, the other car way. trying to turn around. How do they know where we're going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, how do they know where we're going? <laughs> uh, it's brilliant. That is, um, those are some, some great scenes. Um, Favourite supporting character in this? Some surprising ones that when you watch this back, um, that you realise there's some pretty, like, so there's some typical um, uh, John Hughes uh, actors that have, that he's had in a lot of his his roles, for example, the yeah. Doobie, the taxiola driver, um, in when the, the scene where they take the taxi in the middle of the night from yeah. Wichita uh, to the to the um, the first motel is the cop from Home Alone, the one that drops the donut. You know, you yes, that's right. Yeah, to go to your house, just you've got to check the, on your uh... You got the guy at the beginning who's like when they're in the meeting with the executive, right, right at the start, yep. first opening scene. Yeah, he's the dad from Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller, right? yeah. And yeah. speaking of Ferris Bueller, oh, the announcer guy. Flight nine oh nine to Chicago <laughs> is delayed Bueller. due to heavy snow at O'Hare. Bueller, <laughs> Bueller. <Same guy. laughs> um, um, what about Kevin Bacon? 
Kevin Bacon at the beginning as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Little streaky yeah. bacon as he runs down the road. <laughs> Little streaky bacon. He's going to basically steal the cab from uh, from Neil. They're both fighting for the cab and he gets stuck behind someone's uh, like suitcase or something in the street. Brilliant. Yeah, that's Brilliant right. Scene. Yeah, they have a little uh, runoff. Love that scene. To the cab. Yeah. Um, but I think supporting character and again, up on the list of favorite scenes is when um, they're in Wichita. They're stuck in Wichita. And he says, oh, I've got a guy like John Candy's like, it's all right. Um, this guy's coming to pick us up. Uh, <laughs> the guy turns out in this like um, pickup truck. It's like beaten up pickup truck and he climbs out and you don't see him but then it sort of does the pan from the foot upwards and he's like in a lumberjack shirt he's got like he's weird looking guy chewing tobacco he's got like a lump in his bottom lip and he just like spits a load of this chewing tobacco out of his out of his mouth and like clears his throat but he's got this awesome weird tick where he has to like clear his sinuses and it's like the best thing ever because he's got this lump in his and he's like <laughs> but while he's doing it, his eyes really widen and yeah. his mouth opens, and he's got oh, it's just horrible. It's so horrible, but it's amazing because he keeps doing it like mid sentence. That, of course, is the amazing uh, Dylan uh, yeah, Baker I love that, guy. that was in. Uh, he's in loads of stuff, but I remember him. I remember him most from uh, the Todd Salons movie Happiness with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Which oh is a, yeah, which is a really fucked up movie if you if you ever see that. Um, but he's in he's in a lot of stuff. You know, he's still he's a very uh, popular actor these days. That's pretty yeah. much the first time I can remember seeing him in something. But that's such a funny role. I know actually I read some trivia on it that there's the scene when he shakes hands with uh, with Del Griffith, and then as he goes to shake hands with uh, Steve Martin, he clears his throat again. <laughs> And then kind of wipes some spit off of his hand and shakes Steve Martin's hand. Yeah. And apparently John Hughes wanted some really kind of natural reactions in this. Uh, so apparently he spoke with Dylan Baker and said to him, spit on your hand before you shake Steve Martin's hand because Steve Martin is a germaphobe and apparently really freaked out by that kind of thing. And so when he shook Dylan Baker's hand, uh, Steve Martin's reaction was actually real. Apparently he ran off to the the closest uh toilets and took to wash his hands and the like the the crew were just in absolute hysterics because he was genuinely like pissed off and freaked <laughs> oh, out that's just evil yeah <laughs> i think you can see that in his face he looks horrified <laughs> absolutely like horrified. His face spit and then shake someone's hand oh amazing um <laughs> <laughs> So come on, in, Phil. Give us oh. some of your Phil's trivia. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I need a, I need a, a jingle for that, don't I? Phil's trivia, Phil's trivia, Phil's <laughs> trivia. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple of bits of trivia from our favourite section of IMDb. So, the exterior of their aircraft in flight. Uh, is a reuse of the 707 flying through the storm from the movie Airplane. I just want to say, good luck, you two. <laughs> oh, counting on you. Another mo- We should definitely do that for a video store call. Yes, we should. What's well. his name, the pilot in that? that? That's a good character name we could have used. Oh, um, oh, that is a good one. 
I'm going to need to find that out, am I? You are going to need to find that out, or I'm going to find it out. In any case, yeah. that's definitely one of those character names where you're just like, I, oh, I love it, absolutely love it. I feel, I feel like it's striker something, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that is it, isn't it? I'm, I'm finding it out right now. I'm, I'm looking it out right now. Hold on. Through <laughs> the wonders of technology. It's live. Coming to you live from the Movie Mouth podcast. It's Phil Googling character names from Airplane. It's Ted Stryker. Ted Stryker. <laughs> Ted Stryker. Brilliant. That's a good name, though. Um, anyway, trivia. So that so that was a, a reuse of a, a shot. I thought that was quite interesting. Mm. Um, the movie ends with a freeze frame of John Candy with a tight-lipped grin. Uh, and Uncle Buck, also John Hughes, uh, ends in exactly the same way. <laughs> Who the hell are you? I'm your Uncle Buck. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, this was a good one. So John, apparently John Hughes shot over 600,000 feet of film. Uh, so it's like 180,000 meters of film, almost twice the industry average. The wow. rumored three-hour version of the film does indeed exist, although not in order. Huh, that's interesting. So it's in because the, there the are Paramount things in this vault. that I noticed that I I hadn't really picked up on before, but feel like they weren't explained. The big one, mm. when Del Griffith turns up with the truck driver, that kind of comes out of nowhere. He turns up with a truck. You remember yeah, the big truck, the cheese truck, the or whatever it is. So yeah. he turns up, but he has a black eye. Yeah. <laughs> Why does he have a black eye? Uh, I don't know, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's a point. Because he does. He has, like, scratches on his eye or something. Yeah, yeah. That's a ability to think about that. But, yeah. Apparently, there's lots of versions of this. So if you watch it like a TV version, there's some extra scenes on the plane. Um, and oh, That's interesting. Like some other bits that were shown on TV versions, but not the cinematic version. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. Um. So yeah, so that that'd be amazing to see a three-hour cut of that. I'd watch it. <laughs> um, another one. So after Dell uh, steals the the cab from Neil uh, from Steve Martin's character at the beginning of the film, I didn't notice it, but after reading it, I'm sure it does. But Neil looks down and sees that the cab is gone, and in the puddle on the ground, there are two shower curtain rings. Ah, no, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice it, but yeah, that's quite a nice little touch. If it's it a nice touch, um, the exterior of the rental car was designed to resemble that of Griswold's station wagon from John Hughes's previous production. Oh yeah, yeah. National Lampoon's with the, like, the wood I mean, panels on the side. Yeah, it's like the same in it basically. Mm. <laughs> um, and then the last one I, I found interesting was that John Hughes originally wanted Tom Hanks for the role of Neil Page, and John Travolta for the role of Del Griffith. Hanks was unavailable uh, because he was shooting big at the time in 1988. Mm -hmm. And um, Paramount executives did not want Travolta in the movie because he was considered box office poison at the time. (laughs) Yeah, he was. That's right. (laughs) Bit harsh, but yeah. So there's my trivia. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I I will say though. Go on. Sorry, I was going to say with this, I I think uh, with this film, don't you think, John Candy, you feel 
I mean, with giving, you know, someone sh- people should have seen this by now because it was, came out in 1987. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to spoil it. But at the end, when you find out um, what's happened to him, don't you just feel incredibly sorry for him? Yes. Like he plays it so well. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. And even earlier in the film where they're in the hotel and Steve Martin has a, is like having a, they're having a bit of a shouting match and he has a go at him and he really goes at him. And even then you think, oh my God, you his, just feel his, so sorry. His his dramatic range in this is is amazing. And it's a shame that obviously, you know, he didn't he we didn't have more time to commit to more serious works because Yeah. Like genuinely that scene at the end of Planes, Trains and Automobiles, I was just absolute goosebumps. Oh yeah. You know? it, the music comes on and he's still sitting in the train waiting room. And yeah. It's it's horrible. What are you it's still just... doing here, Dell? And he's like Yeah. My wife died eight years ago. Yeah, wow. it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. It he is. doesn't. He doesn't have a home. No, he doesn't have a home. No, he just lives on the road, just selling shower curtains, basically. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what he was doing in New York. Who knows? Selling shower curtains. Shower curtain rings. My wife's got all kinds of shower curtains, dangly ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so I, I definitely miss John Candy. I think you've. He went far too soon. It's a real shame because, but I'm glad we're left with some absolute classic performances. Definitely. Also, also um, does a little Jamaica reference considering he does, which runnings. I quite liked. Yeah. He's like naming the small, the miniature bottles of of liquor by the country that they come from. And he's like, oh, I want to go to Russia. You want to go to Mexico? Have tequila. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'm gonna go. I'm going to Jamaica, man. Irie, Irie, like <laughs> yeah. in the rum. Although he's drinking yeah. Bacardi, which I believe comes from Cuba, but just saying. Um, <laughs> Easy mistake to make. Uh, it's, all, it's all in the Caribbean, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but no, great film. And I think this was, you know, if you haven't seen Planes, Trains and Automobiles, which is weird, I'm finding a lot of people, I just assumed everyone had seen it, but I'm finding a lot of people that have never seen it. Then uh, this is classic. It's cozy, um, holiday centric. It's also about Thanksgiving, which is officially my favorite holiday having never had one when I moved to the US. It's all about eating, sports, and dessert. And obviously, honestly, it's a great, it's just a great time. You just literally do nothing and just eat um, and have a good old time. Um, so if you haven't seen this film, check it out. We loved it, loved watching it again. Uh, and also, you know, we're going to start opening up our video store corner to potentially to bring in some guests to start talking about their favorite films as well. So if you're a listener and you'd like to get in touch and request a film that we haven't yet discussed in our video store corner, then please do get in touch. And we would love to potentially speak with you about a classic movie. So, Bill, that's it. I'm afraid we've reached the end of the road. (laughs) Planes, trains and automobiles pun. Good one. Uh, On next week's podcast, we'll be bringing you another slice of movie and TV related podcast mania but before then please follow our facebook and instagram accounts at at movie mouth podcast and hit subscribe or give us a nice five-star review on your podcast player of choice phil yes there is just one last thing to say yes i pity the fool goodbye <laughs> see you later Bye, Phil. Club a Lang.